Hey, so Jen, have you ever been afraid to use your voice? Less so now, but absolutely. Yeah, me too. There's really nothing worse than leaving a conversation and like smacking your forehead wishing you had said something else. Or said something at all. Right, absolutely. Join us today as we talk about standing up, speaking out, and saying the things that you're afraid to say. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Hmm. This booze is both whiskey and scotch. Yeah. And Pims. Which is why it's called the leading role. Holy <laughs> smokes. Holy smokes. Yeah, so we've got some Irish whiskey, some scotch, and Pims, which you like mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, lime. Lime juice, yeah. Which is delightful. It is um, served in a coupe glass, and it is just very boozy, but it all goes together really quite nicely. Yeah, it does. It's very easily drinkable, which is super dangerous, so um, yeah. sip this one slowly. Don't mess around. <laughs> don't mess around. <laughs> just like when you need to stand up for yourself. That's don't right. mess around. That's right. You know, there's been a lot of reason why I haven't stood up for myself in the past, and I think there's, you know, as an adult, and I think that there's times where... You're just, I mean, our last episode was about games people play, right? And I think when you're a young professional, and maybe even specifically a young female professional, you're just not really always sure about the rules of engagement, right? Sure. And standing up for yourself feels risky. Well, and, you know, when you get into the very complicated world of young female professional or many other complicated worlds, there are expectations for behavior and there are your presumptions about expectations for behavior, and then there are the things that you were never taught how to do, and you're doing them for the first time, and and or you've never seen it done well, mm-hmm. so you have no examples for how to right. act, right? Yeah, most of my speaking out um, was was not very poised or delicate as a teenager, and it usually came with a fair amount of consequences. <laughs> <laughs> so while I had lots of good examples, because my mother was so poised, um, I never got to see her in action the way maybe I would have appreciated. And so I did not use my voice as um, with, the, with the amount of finesse that I could have as a young professional. Well, Th- I, things just kind of fell out of my mouth. Well, it's better to have it fall out of your mouth than not be said. Mm, maybe. I think that there are instances where maybe I should have remained silent. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes silence is saying quite a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. So really the, the problem that we're talking about here today is understanding when you need to speak up, how to do it, mm-hmm. how to not regret what you left unsaid or screwed up somehow. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say neither of us are experts. We're probably still learning as well. Oh, absolutely. But we're going to try to try to dig it up a little bit. Yeah. I'll tell you, the thing that gets me is the more my stomach twists about something or about how I should say it or what I should say, the more I'm indicated that I probably should say something. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you know when there's something that you just should say? What are what are your internal cues? Mm-hmm. I have always brought forward one of your rules, which is the 24-hour rule. Like when you're trying to make a hard decision, sometimes that's about a conversation that you have to have or about that next step. And so I like the sleep on it rule. But it is. It's, that, um, it's either that sleepless thing where you're dreaming about the conversation mm-hmm. or – you're reflecting on the lack of conversation that you wish you could have had. And it's that gut. Yeah. It's that gut for me, for sure. And, you know, we're talking about it a little bit about standing up for yourself. There's also, you know, in other other instances that we'll talk about, but where do you feel, well, especially asking if you sometimes let your, 
let your words fall out a little fast. Like, where do you feel you've had to stand up for yourself? Or where have you been able to do that? Or have you really failed? All of the above. I think as an entrepreneur, my feet are pretty well underneath me. But there's been times as a business owner, especially when your team is rallying for something, it could be anything. It could be something related to HR. It could be related to something creative or something um, related to infrastructure. And they're all kind of really rallying for something. And, and you don't want to let down the crowd, right, when they're all on the same page. But when your gut really tells you that it's the wrong thing or it's the wrong business decision or it's the wrong direction or it's against your values, which doesn't often happen in, in my realm, it's hard to stand there and disappoint the crowd. Sure. But taking the time to be really thoughtful about providing examples for why your decision is what it is sometimes softens it a little bit, but it's it's not ever easy. But you can't be afraid to have conversations about hard things. No, you can't. And I always tell my team and I tell my kids and We've discussed it with, you know, my husband and I have agreed that this is true, that really anything can get worked out in communication. But this is really more about standing up for yourself. But I truly believe that, that you you really, if said appropriately, you really can talk about hard things and stand up for yourself. Well, and nothing is going to get solved that isn't talked about. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to magically solve. Right. And if you're in a situation where something doesn't go your way or you're disappointed or you regret your lack of words or your overabundance of words, <laughs> you know, until you learn to get that right, nothing's going to change. Right. No one is magically going to make things go your way if you haven't learned to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember when I started as a creative, I was in a creative department that was all men save me and one other young 20s girl Mm -hmm. girl I call us girls so we were two young women in a sea of way more senior very talented creatives that were all men Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel any sort of confidence to speak what I thought I needed to speak and Mm -hmm. so I spent a lot of years not advocating for my ideas or not even voicing my ideas assuming that someone else with more skill and more seniority clearly had it right Mm -hmm. And what I've come to learn now is that that's not true, and you should get your ideas out there. Yeah. They could be terrible, but they could be good, and someone could build on them. So by holding back the things you were going to say, you're not serving anybody. Yeah, and I think when it comes to standing up for yourself or being willing to speak out, I think especially in the creative realm, at some point you have to just practice and have the courage to say the things and not be afraid to fail because failure is a part of that equation. We've had that conversation before. Mm-hmm. And that the more willing you are to to speak up time and time again, the less risky over time it feels. And it's that building that muscle yeah. to be willing to, to speak out. I think, too, when you're willing to speak up for yourself as a, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, you're giving your team uh, a model and permission to do the same. And isn't that what we want for our team? Yes, for sure. And, you know, I'm feeling that particularly this this month we're working on a project with a very young target audience. Mm-hmm. And so I'm fairly sure that the young creatives in my office are probably more qualified to get the, the great idea than I am because they're in it, yeah. you know. So I need to be able to model for them to come up with your idea, pitch your idea, don't be afraid, mm-hmm. make sure that you can articulate what you want to do well. Right. For our team, and I think you and I have talked about this before, 
I think both of our brains work very fast. Most people in a leadership role, we can get from the first sentence to the therefore exceptionally quickly. Mm-hmm. For my team, I have to force myself to stop and make them explain it all Yeah, and practice that. Yeah, absolutely. And not just throw something out and assume someone else will pick it up and finish mm-hmm. the thought or the ask or the whatever. Right. So having them practice mm-hmm. with us makes them stronger at what they do. Yeah. And I think something I've admired about you that you've shared before is being a model of somebody who's willing to speak up for themselves so that your so that your team learns to also speak up for themselves. It's your example a long time ago was that you were in a conversation where an employee was clearly wanting to ask for a raise, but you really required her to walk through those steps. And you coached her because you said it would never get easier than with you. And that's um, incredibly generous that you gave her that opportunity because it was a development opportunity for her. As a young woman, it will never be easier for her to ask for a raise than with you because you gave her that opportunity and coached her through it. Yeah, it's hard to, I mean, I'm glad that you remember that one. And that was one of those moments where you're like, oh, I can mentor right now. Mm-hmm. I can help somebody gain this skill. And I think we both have those moments all the time, sure. right? And and forcing people to get into their un- uncomfortable zone mm-hmm. when they're with someone comfortable yeah. is really great practice. It is. Because eventually you're going to be with somebody who's not comfortable and you have to ask for something or articulate something or illustrate something that is n- no one wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be used to it. I think there are also times where you have to speak up for your team, Mm -hmm. right? You know, an example that I have thought of is, you know, we're going to make mistakes in the course of doing business, right? There'll be a misspelling somewhere or worse, you know, something just doesn't get translated. Mistakes will happen. We try very hard to have processes that eliminate that, but it doesn't, it's not 100%. And so being willing to be the leader and step up and take responsibility protects your team from... Um, unnecessary criticism or unnecessary upset so that they can gather themselves and continue to move forward while you're working on problem solving. I think it's really important to do that for your team, speaking up for your team. I think it also shows that you're willing to go to bat for them. Right. I think it fosters a lot of trust, but I think it allows them also to be modeled that they can stick up for each other. Yeah, and I love what you're saying here because – we are in a service-based industry. Um, we are very familiar with what's called scope creep. Mm-hmm. A client asking for a little bit more, a little bit more, one more round of edits or mm-hmm. one more additional deliverable. And um, we all want to please. So I think whether it be a mistake or pleasing a client or saying yes too many times, as the leader, you have to be the one to model what it looks like to say no, mm-hmm. create an appropriate boundary yep. and a respectful line in the sand, right? So that your staff knows that you're not going to expect them to just get beat up by whatever the client says or flustered by whatever the client says. And like in your example of, you know, maybe there's a typo, there will be a mistake. There are always mistakes. We are a team. Mm -hmm. One person may have made a mistake, but we all own it. And as the leaders, we own it. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to say so, and once you say it, you know, once you say what's on your mind, it's such a relief. Yeah. You know that feeling when you when you get it out? It feels yeah. really good. It does feel really good. And I think that even sometimes when you're setting those boundaries with your clients or having that hard conversation with your client, that also fosters, um, uh, you know, some integrity and some, some relationship building with that client. Mm-hmm. 
Have you ever had a time where you've had had to actually speak up for your client? Oh, sure. Yeah. In some ways, I feel like that's what you and I do for a living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how about you? Yeah, I think there's times where, I mean, when you engage with a client, especially given a lot of the realm that our clients operate in uh, with advocacy and nonprofit, you're always speaking up for your client and you're trying to represent them to the best of your ability. But I also think that there are times where you can speak up for yourself and give your client a little pushback. Mm -hmm. But you can only do that if you've truly listened. Right. If you 100% understand exactly where your client's coming from and you're willing to give pushback, it's out of um, full commitment to the to the collective team, to the collective objective. Um, but you, you better have listened really well yeah. before you push back. Your pushback definitely doesn't need to be around your product or your ego or wanting right, right, to right. win. You know, we talked about games last time. It's not about wanting to win when you push back with a client. Right. It's about wanting to help them achieve the goals that they articulated for you mm -hmm. or help them achieve the business goals that they have in their mission statement, for example. Yeah. And sometimes it's easy for clients to get in the weeds because they have a million things happening, a million things coming at them. Mm -hmm. It's hard sometimes for every one of us to carve out the time we need to think strategically. Mm -hmm. So our job is to do that strategic thinking for them when they can't mm -hmm. and remind them where the goalpost is and why we're making decisions to get to get you to your goalpost, right. not out of any sense of ego or folly. Mm -hmm. But I think, too, um, sometimes you're speaking up for your client when maybe your team gives pushback. That's true. When they're chasing the wrong the wrong idea. Right. So you have to bring them back a little bit. Which makes the account service job in any sort of agency probably the hardest job there is. Mm -hmm. Because you're trying to advocate for your yourself on one hand and your team. You're also trying to advocate for your client. And you're trying to balance both of those two so each one gets what they need. Yep. It's that's that's a really hard job. Yeah. But done well, it's such a Skill. Smooth looking operation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's pretty nice. It is pretty nice. I think so. What do you think are are there any tactics or is there a process by which speaking up and standing up and speaking out happens? Is there a formula, do you think? Yeah, there is. You know, for me, there's a couple of different ways to attack that when we're talking about personally speaking up. Or even for me, if you're speaking up for someone who isn't at the table, for example, mm -hmm. um, we all have places where we walked away and went, oh, I should have said this. Yeah. And um, I think you should write those down. Mm -hmm. And I think you should think of the spaces in which you have lost your words or not well handled your words or feel like you need some words. Take the time to figure out if this happens again, what should I say? Mm -hmm. How should I handle that? Write that stuff down and have it in your pocket. And so just sort of treat it as, oh, this is the scenario I'm in. Yeah. The response in this scenario needs to be X, and you pull X out of your pocket and you say it. And so in that way, it's sort of a formulaic response mm -hmm. based on your own ideals or your own set of rules, right? So if you, for example, run up against someone who calls you girls and you just can't stand being called a girl, have that pocket response. Mm -hmm. Have that line in your pocket so that when somebody says it, you can just drop the line. You don't even have to think about it. So practice it in your spare time. Yeah, I think, too, if something is said that um, you know you need to say something, but you want you want to get really clear about it, as opposed to, you know, me having words just fall out of my mouth, you can have in your pocket the ability to say, I'm going to get back to you on that. I have some thoughts, but I want to get clear about it. Mm -hmm. But then do it. Do have it. the courage to do it. Because you can't walk away. You're, you're, you're walking away can't be the response. 
it's being really clear that you have a response and that you will get back to that person. But I think getting clear about the communication is is an important first step too, because for me, when I have something that I want to say back, I have to be very clear about why. Am I is my communication, what is my communication for? What is my hopeful outcome? Is it just in order to stand up for myself or is it to further the ball towards the goalpost or is it um, a, just a clap back? <laughs> so I, sure. I, I want to be really, really careful um, because so you have to be able to accept responsibility for whatever it is that you feel you need to stay. Sure. So are you saying that have the because part of the sentence at hand? I don't agree with what you said because it has this ramification mm-hmm. or I don't I want you to be clear about what I mean because do we have to give people the because or do we can we just give them our opinion? I think if you're going to be I think it's circumstantial but I think in order to fully accept responsibility for the impact of your words you have to be clear about what it is that you want to express and you have to say it in a way where you are accepting responsibility for the way it lands on somebody mm-hmm. because that's your mess to clean up. Right. If it doesn't go well. I don't think the because is necessary. Sure. Um, but I think expressing where you're coming from, it's not necessarily the because, but the intent behind. I need to share this with you. Do you think... Out of my commitment to. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think speaking up for yourself and advocating for what you believe in, is that for you or is that for the greater good or is it for both? Is your job there to be advocating for yourself or your team or is your job there to educate someone so that they don't repeat their behaviors? I think it can be both. I I have been in the situation before where somebody has told a joke in front of me and I and it's been in a, my personal life and I have said, you guys might think that that's funny, but you don't have permission to tell jokes like that in my presence. And I can't tell you how many heads whipped around and their jaws hit the floor, but it stopped. Yeah. So I think you have to speak up for yourself for what doesn't align with your values in certain circumstances, but you're speaking up for the others who don't have a voice in that in that moment. Yeah, I very much agree about that. There, there are so many places where we will find ourselves at a table and we might have some representation that someone else does not have. And if we know that a person who is not there with, or a type of person who's not there and doesn't have representation is, is not being considered well, I think it's our, our responsibility to speak up. Don't Abs- you think? Absolutely. It, and and that's certainly a time where in a circumstance where I've left a conversation with something unsaid. Sure. And I have learned to grow from that. I always feel terrible if I leave it unsaid. Yep. It feels like a moral failure. It right? does. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So the arc of it, I think, is, you know, I, I hesitate to put this in age, but it's easy to explain this way, is first you have to understand how to speak up for yourself what is appropriate, what's right, when you need to ask for time to be able to respond, you have to practice, and then you have to understand who else you can advocate for and who else you are speaking up for, especially when you're in a leadership role. Because sometimes you are speaking up for your team, sometimes you are speaking up for your client, sometimes you are speaking up for people who can't speak for themselves. And if you've gotten to a point where you're in a leadership role, it's kind of your responsibility and it's it feels really good when you can do it. Yeah. I, I recently heard somebody say on a podcast that if you put your own comfort as a leader, mm-hmm. if you put your own comfort in front of saying something 
it, when there's an ethical dilemma on the line, then your leadership has just become irrelevant. Ooh, take that. Yeah. Okay, then. I kind of love it. I kind of do, too. And you know what I love is um, that we know a lot of people who are not afraid to speak up and advocate mm-hmm. and say what they mean and do it very gracefully and in a very poised way or not very gracefully and not very poised way when that's appropriate, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really great to see people when they when they can stand up for what they believe in and articulate it based in fact, with respect, and very clearly. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, you know, we're doing it. Um, for for ourselves, we're doing it for people who aren't represented. We're doing it um, as models for the people that we're developing, whether that's in our offices or the smaller humans at our at our home. It's it's really really important, and the work has to kind of start at home. You know, like inside your heart first. You have mm-hmm. to figure it out for yourself first. Yeah. So I think um, a really good exercise for everybody is to really think through times when you didn't speak out. Or you didn't say what you needed to say, or you didn't advocate for your own work or your or your own point of view, and figure out what could I have done, what should I have done, not so that you can regret it, but so you can build on it for next time, and or when so you can recognize it when someone else needs to be able to learn that, yeah. So you can help them grow where you might have needed help before, yeah. That's the leading role. That's that's it. Ah, ah see what I did there. I see what you did. <laughs> this drink, you guys. Okay, and this is random, but Pims. I got to look up the typography on this. It's really unique, and I look at it and I I think very deeply about the shape of the M's. It's a double M P I M M, and my my staff knows that I I have a thing about the shape of M's. So I'm going to be considering this typographically as well as making one again tonight. Is it mid century? A little. It feels futurish to me, but I don't think that's right, so I'm going to have to go look that up. And nobody cares about that unless you're a typography nerd. So any typography nerds out there, if you know anything about the typography on PIMS, hit us up. Maybe PIMS can can give us a shout. Maybe they can tell us when this was built. That would be cool. Thanks, PIMS. Want to contribute to our conversation? Reach out to us on social media at Easy Underground or head over to our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. Speaking of leadership and advocacy, we are welcoming Tammy Hanna as our guest next time. Tammy is the CEO of Origami Brain Injury Rehabilitation, and her career has been built on integrating teams and keeping her eye on the mission. She is so smart and dynamic, and we know you'll appreciate her insights and her ability to not be afraid and to think big. We both really appreciate her, and we can't wait to see her. Join us. Thank you. Thank you.